Look after your feet. They're more important than you think. Now, I'd imagine that would be a statement that most foot specialists would give you if they were here tonight. And, of course, I'm no foot specialist, know very little about feet. What I know about feet, I have learned from the internet. I wanted to leave you a few facts tonight about your feet. Maybe you already knew this, and if you do, that's great. But every foot has 26 bones, has 33 joints, over 100 muscles, ligaments, tendons. And when you think about that, it makes your foot a very complex part of the body. Your feet provide you with support. They provide you with the balance that you need for the rest of your body. Your feet affect your posture. They're vital in getting you from A to B. Believe it or not, it's estimated that the average person will walk 100,000 miles in their lifetime. And when you think about all of those things, surely your feet tonight are a very important part of your body. And whilst our feet are useful, they are important, they're also capable of getting us into great danger. And I say that because especially if you were to live tonight in a foreign land such as Cambodia, Southeast Asia, maybe you're thinking tonight, well, why Cambodia? Why have you chosen that place? Well, there's a purpose if you bear with me. See, in that land of Cambodia, it's estimated that there are over 6 million hidden landmines that have been left behind from past conflicts. And therefore, if tonight we were situated in that land, we could rightly say that it's a dangerous place to live. One wrong step, one wrong move, the outcome could be fatal. One wrong step, and it's too late for you and I. And you know what? This is where a little rodent, a little rat by the name of Magawa comes in very handy. See, Magawa is the name of an African pouch rat. It's a very peculiar skill set because it's trained to detect landmines. And this little rat was born in Tanzania. It underwent one year of training and then was deployed to Cambodia to begin its life as a bomb sniffer. And as part of its training, it learned to detect a chemical compound within these explosives In the land of Cambodia itself, it is said to have made more than 141,000 square meters of land safe. That's the equivalent tonight of around 20 football fields. Cleared over 100 landmines, explosives in the process. And you put that into perspective tonight. That little rodent that we often think to be vermin, it's able to clear the area of a tennis court in just 20 minutes. That might take you and I anywhere between one to four days to do the same thing. This rat is bigger than many other species. 1.2 kilograms, 70 centimeters, but it's still small enough that when it steps on a landmine, it doesn't trigger it, it doesn't activate it. But you know, in January 2022, just a year ago, I was reading an article in BBC News about this very important rat. Because it made its final step, it passed away at the age of eight. And since then, it's been awarded the PDSM Medal for Gallantry. It's an award described as the St. George's Cross for Animals. And there are many other of these rats that carry out this very important work in lands such as Cambodia. Give people their peace of mind. There's no worries about losing life, losing limb. And therefore, without their support, it would be fair to say, would it not, that those people are but a step from death. And this was certainly how David felt Tonight in the passage that we've read, cast your eyes again to what we read in verse 3 of chapter 20. Read what it says at the end of the verse. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me 
and death. And tonight I want to deal with that very solemn and very important subject of death. And I'm going to deal with this verse under the subject. Are you prepared to take that final step? Are you tonight prepared to take that final step into eternity? And there are three very simple thoughts that I want to leave with you from verse 3. The first thing we see here is a truth that is unavoidable. You read with me verse 3 again and read what it says. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And we can't be certain tonight what age David was here when he made that statement in verse 3. Most believe he's no older than 25 years of age. You and I tonight might call David a very young man, and yet he'd faced much difficulty, much death on numerous occasions right before even that time of 25 years of age. You think back to a young boy there, David was tending to his father's sheep in the field. Along came a bear, along came a lion, and he had to protect them with his bare hands. When none would go out to fight the giant Goliath, that Philistine in the Valley of Elah, David went. David went with nothing but a slingshot and a stone, and he defeated that giant. It was David who was tasked by King Saul, who we read about in chapter 19, given the task to slay the Philistine army, to bring back a trophy from their body in exchange for his daughter's hand in marriage. And you know, David, he brought back double what was required. And therefore, just a few examples tonight of how David had already fought many battles against the Philistines. But once more here in chapter 20, we find David faced with the reality of death. Having managed to elude death at the hands of Saul there in chapter 19, David now comes to speak to his friend Jonathan. He comes to inquire as to why his father was continually seeking after his life. And you know, David and Jonathan, they were the best of friends. And like any good friend would, Jonathan, he tries to comfort David. He tries to put the mind at ease. You read with me what it says in verse 2. Jonathan says there to David, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing great or small. It's not so. He's got it all wrong, David. My father would have told me if he was planning to do something like that. My father made a vow to me that he wouldn't kill you. And we read of that vow in chapter 19, verse 6. David, or Saul, they're speaking to his son. He says, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And it does little to comfort David here. Because notice how David responds in verse 3. At the start of the, the verse, he makes his own vow. He says there, and David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I found grace in thine eyes. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. You see, what Jonathan wasn't aware of here is that there had already been multiple attempts on David's life. We read some of those in chapter 19. That's why we took the time to read that chapter. In verse 9 of chapter 19, Saul there was seeking to kill David. He had a javelin in his hand. He escapes. We read there that Saul throws the javelin at the wall out of anger. In verse 11, Saul sends messengers to kill David. They come to his home. He manages to escape in the night. Verse number nine or 20 there. Saul sends others to Naoth to seize David. 
But you know, Saul comes himself in verse 22 with the same thought in mind. And truly the reality of death was ever upon David's mind. So much so that seven chapters later, in 1 Samuel 27, his mindset had hadn't changed. 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. Oh, David, yes, he'd complete sovereignty of God. He knew that. He trusted God. He knew that God was in control of everything. But the human nature, the nature that we have, meant he was still afraid. He still feared for his life. And you know, that thought should encourage you tonight, believer. Yes, you might fear at times. You might fret. You might wonder what's going to happen. Yes, but we trust in God's plan for us. It doesn't mean that we don't become fearful. It's natural. Difficulty comes. Danger comes. The unexpected happens. The first thing we do is we ask the Lord why. We're fearful. See, while death certainly was a reality for David here, I believe we can take the thought further tonight because death is a reality that we all face. And we might not find ourselves tonight in circumstances that David faced, but I want to say tonight, truly, everyone here, everyone listening tonight, you and I truly are but a step from death. You think back tonight to the moment that a child comes into this world. What a wonderful experience that is. But you know, as soon as a child is born, as soon as they take their first breath, that aging process commences. And with every step that child takes, with every breath they take, they're heading one step closer to their inevitable death. See, death is as a result of sin. Brings you back to the beginning of man, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had forbidden them to do that. They disobeyed the command of God. They fell into sin. And with that sin brought forth death for all mankind. Every man, woman, and child born into this world is born a sinner. And because of what had happened over 6,000 years ago, mankind needs to be saved from their sin. You know, David here, who are considering, he also wrote many of the Psalms in the Bible. Some say 73, some say 75. And in Psalm 49 and verse 8, David here, he, he speaks about death. Speaks about the reality of it because he says, What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? See, very clearly this verse is teaching us that all men will die. And David is stating that as certain as a person is alive, it's also as certain they will meet their appointed death someday. And it doesn't matter tonight whether you're strong, whether you're weak or rich or poor tonight. Young or old, male or female, the Bible tells us all have sinned. And all have that appointment with death because of sin. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. See, whilst death is a reality, we all will face one day. In Hebrews 9 and 27, it reminds us that it is a one-time thing. See, once a person dies, there's no going back. There's no second chances. There's no getting right with God after death. Because once you die, that person we read is judged. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 that that death, that judgment will be universal. It says, therefore, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or whether it be bad. What does this verse teach the believer here tonight? 
Well, it isn't teaching that Christians will be under condemnation. That will contradict the statement of Paul, Romans chapter 8 and 1. That verse says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But it also isn't teaching us tonight that salvation is by our works. And many people have been led to believe that. That if you do this and you do that, if you do enough things, that you'll be saved. Salvation is not of works. But what Paul is saying is that our actions have consequences. And believers will be rewarded according to what they have done in this life. And yet what is this verse teaching the unbeliever tonight? You tonight without Christ? Well, it's should be a warning to you. It should be the gravest of warning because Paul says to appear at the judgment seat of Christ in your sin, it means that you will be condemned, condemned eternally to hell to pay for that sin. Considering the subject, preparing to make that final step. In verse 3, we see here a truth that is unavoidable. But the verse also teaches us that this step between you and death It's going to be taken at a time that is uncertain. Read again those final words of verse 3 with me. Very plainly, very clearly it says, There is but a step. A single step between me and death. And you think back to those many attempts we read about on David's life. And again, how true the words are, because just a few millimeters to the left or to the right, a few seconds longer, that javelin might have found his mark. David might have met his end there. Had David waited until the morning, had he not escaped in the night, he might have died. Whilst death is certain, whilst it is a fact that each and every one of us will take that final step one day, it also is uncertain. It's uncertain because you and I can never know when we'll take that final step. And that's a reality that we see every single day. Turn on your television, read the news. Every single day we hear of ones going into hospital and never recover again. Think of ones who go to bed at night, they die peacefully in their sleep. Think of those tonight who are driving along and their thoughts in their mind of all the things they're going to do. And out out of the blue, car hits them. Gone from this scene of time, they've taken that final step. And King Solomon, he knew the reality of this. Solomon, he was the wisest man we read of in the Bible, bar Jesus Christ. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 9 and 12, he said, For man also knoweth not his time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. Patriarch Job also knew this to be a reality. In Job 34 and 20, he said, In a moment, in a moment, a single moment they shall die. And he's speaking here about kings, about princes, about royalty. And yet he delivers the same truth because they will die in the same way as common man will die. And death can occur suddenly. It very often occurs when you and I least expect it. And the reality is for us tonight in the martyrs is that as I look out at you, as you look back at me, yes, we're alive. We're well. But nobody's guaranteed the rest of this night. Nobody's guaranteed a tomorrow. That's a reality that we read of in the Word of God. If you turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, read read this with me. It's a familiar portion. Luke 12 and verse 16, we read of a rich farmer, a rich man, as he's called here. Let's read his attitude in verse 16. 
And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. See, this man, he was so caught up in preparing for the future, making his own plans. He said, I, he said, me, he said, my. And yet that night would be his final night on earth. And the sad reality is, as we read that account, he hadn't prepared to take that final step because he hadn't made preparation for his soul. His eternal soul, his never dying soul, made all bodily preparation, made himself comfortable in this life, but he hadn't done the one thing that is most important, and that is ensuring that your soul is right with the Lord. Ensuring that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Such passages tonight do not highlight how fragile our lives are, how uncertain our futures are. And again, the Bible uses very descriptive language to describe those things. First Chronicles chapter 29 and 15, life is compared to a shadow. You think of a shadow, the sun comes and the shadow's gone. James 4 and 14 is a vapor. It's here one minute, it's gone the next. In Psalm 39 and 5, it's likened to a hand breath. You think of your hand tonight. How small it is. Gone like that. And therefore, what should the response tonight firstly be for the Christian in the light of such uncertainty? Well, it should remind us that, yes, death will catch us by surprise, but it doesn't catch the Lord by surprise. God's in control of everything. Every person will die at that time appointed by the Lord. And again, you think of that man, Job, in the Old Testament, yes, he suffered much hardship, much sorrow, I think even of the death of his children, but he was comforted by that thought. Job chapter 1 and 21, he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, Job was comforted by the knowledge that the same God who had given Job children was the same God who had taken them to glory with him in death. Oh, such uncertainty tonight should also cause the Christian to rely more upon the Lord for everything. It should cause the Christian to live with eternity in view. It should cause us to work for the Lord whilst we have the ability to do it. What is it that Christ said in John 9 and 4? He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. And the night there is a reference to death. We have a great privilege tonight, us who are saved, of being able to share the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ saves. And we should take that opportunity every single time we meet someone who knows not Christ as their Savior. We should warn them of the hell that awaits them without Christ. And yet, what if you're here tonight and you don't have Christ and it's good that you're here? It's wonderful you've come tonight. What should this uncertainty of death cause you to do tonight? Well, I would hope and I would pray that it would make you realize you need to make preparation for that day. 
for that final step. And I want to tell you that preparation is the most urgent thing that you can have tonight. Quoted it this morning, but it's useful again tonight. Hosea 10 and 12, it is time to seek the Lord. When is that time? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, now is the accepted time. He says, now is the day of salvation. It's right now. Because you here tonight, sitting without Christ, you can be saved right now. And you don't need me to do that. I can't do it for you. You don't need a priest. You don't need a minister. You need Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus Christ is able to save your never-dying soul. And the, the wonderful thing tonight is that Jesus Christ has done everything. He went to the cross for your sin tonight. He died that awful death on the cross for you. And therefore you can come to him freely. The offer of the gospel tonight is a free offer. And therefore if you are here tonight without Christ, may you know assuredly and 100% certainly that if you come to Christ, he will 100% save you for all eternity. Having considered that truth that is unavoidable, having seen tonight that the timing of our death is uncertain is a step away, There's one third and final thing I want to leave with you tonight from this passage. And that is, it is a tragedy that is unrecoverable. A tragedy that is unrecoverable. And it's unrecoverable for the simple reason that once you take that final step, you can't unmake it. It can't be undone. You think tonight, a simple illustration, walking along a tightrope without a harness, you're high in the air, Maybe you like to go mountaineer and you're walking across a narrow edge, a steep drop below you. Isn't that so very vital and important that you know where your feet are? One wrong step, one incorrectly placed foot, and the consequences could be severe for you. Remember those words tonight in Hebrews 9 and 27, it is once to die. There are no second chances, no do-overs, and again there are many who will tell you, yeah, it's okay, live how you want to live. Jesus Christ, he'll save you after you die. But you know, that's not in the Bible. That's not what the Bible teaches us. It's once to die. And if you die in your sin, you can never be saved. And you will be in hell for all eternity because of your sin that we all have. It's unrecoverable. For the believer tonight, that final step, it's going to be a wonderful step. It's going to be wonderful because in that step you're going to leave behind all the pain, the sorrow and the hardships of this world and you're going to step into the glory and eternal rest of heaven. And yet for the unsaved tonight, yes, you'll take that same final step one day, but you'll be stepping out of a world of pain and sorrow and you'll be stepping into a place of greater pain and sorrow place of eternal suffering, a place of no rest, no escape, no second chance because you'll find yourself in hell for all eternity because you died in your sin. And whilst this final step is unrecoverable, I say it's tragic tonight because it can be avoided. Hell can be avoided tonight because Jesus Christ has done everything possible, everything necessary for you to be saved. He came into the world and he took our vile sins upon his own humanity. He went to the cross. He suffered the equivalent of hell for our sin. He shed his blood for the remission of that sin. And he would suffer the wrath of God that was for us. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 2 and 9 and 10. It begins with the words, but we see Jesus. Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. 
crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. It's those words that he would taste death that I want you to remember. It meant that he would both see, he would experience death on behalf of the ungodly, on behalf of his people. See, the death of Christ, it is sufficient for all, but it is efficient for some. And his death and suffering in Calvary, it has secured a perfect salvation for all who put their trust in Christ tonight. See, why is it as true, and we've been considering, yes, there's a step between you and death tonight. It is equally true tonight, there's a step between you and salvation in Jesus Christ. And my question, very simply tonight, is as we close our service, are you here ready to take that final step? If you were to leave tonight, and tonight was your last night on this earth, would you be ready? Have you made preparation for it? You think about death, and you think about the preparations that we make for death. Make your will. Whether you're going to be buried, whether you're going to be cremated, if you're going to be buried, you maybe have your plot of land. Some of you might even know the hymns you're going to sing at your funeral, and there's nothing wrong with those things. In fact, it is right to make preparation. Don't leave your family with a financial burden. There's one thing missing. No preparation with regard to your soul. You haven't made certain that when you take that final step, your soul will be transported into eternal heaven. See, sadly, many have taken their final step rejecting the gospel invitation. Many given a gospel tract and they've laughed about it. Said, I'm okay, I have my own religion. Religion doesn't save you, by the way. You do things your way. You're God, I'm okay, I'll be, I'll be fine. It'll all work out in the end. Do you know it never does for those people who say that? The Bible warns us in Titus 3 and 5 against such ideas because it tells us very clearly and very simply that salvation is not by works of righteousness which we have done. That simply means that you and I tonight, we are incapable of getting to heaven by our own efforts. And perhaps there's one here tonight, you've come in and you're searching for answers, wondering about life after death, wondering tonight, well, what's going to happen then to me when I die? And yet to that, this point in time, that's as far as it's went for you. You've thought about it, but you haven't went any further. You know what? I want to go to heaven. I really do, but I'd have to give too much up. I'll, I'll leave it a little longer. We'll see how things are in a few months, maybe. The Bible tells us about a man called Felix, Acts chapter 24. He had a similar attitude, you know. He was confronted with the offer of the gospel. Paul testified to him of Christ. The Bible even tells us that Felix trembled over what he'd heard. What he heard had caused him great distress. But that's as far as it went. Felix would go on to say, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. You know, the Bible never mentions Felix after that. And we can only assume that he never found that convenient time to get saved. 
Felix has long since taken his final step into eternity and if Felix tonight finds himself in hell, I believe he will eternally be regretting his lack of urgency. If you're here tonight and the Lord has spoken to you, if he's dealing with you right now, convicting you, telling you you need to get right, my prayer tonight is simply that you would ask the Lord to save you. And you can do that right now. Realizing tonight that David's reality here is your reality also. Because the truth for us all is this tonight. We're but a step from death. Nobody knows what tomorrow, tonight will bring. Therefore, my prayer tonight is that you will no longer put off your salvation. But you'll come to Christ even right now and you'll be saved. Do you want to speak to me? Come and speak to me afterwards. It may look scary, but I'm not. I'd be happy to speak to you. Happy to talk to you more about Jesus Christ and how you can be saved. But don't leave tonight. Don't leave tonight without Christ, please.